see. Amen. All the time. Hey, Donnie, won't you do us a favor and pray real quick, bud? Good evening and welcome to 724. Well, my name is Sean. I'm not, let's not get people confused, Tim. Uh, glad you could be here. Uh, it's really awesome uh, to be here. There's just, uh, because you're here and I really, really, uh, that's why I really enjoy you guys just bring this really neat 
I don't know what it is. I guess it's feng shui. It's just really, really exciting. Uh, it's from the 90s. Uh, people still use that word, I think. Maybe just me. But uh, I'm really glad you could be here. Who here appreciated the snow we had? Anyone here appreciate the snow? Oh, some people, like half. Who here did not appreciate the snow? The other half. So it's like back and forth. Um, did anyone here get to shovel snow? You know, yeah, I mean, you got to do that. And, oh, even Josh Wyckoff got to shovel some snow. And, and um, if you know, when you shovel snow, there's like, there's like different methods. And so there's, there's like the plow method. You do the plow, you just push. And then there's like the, you know, I don't know, it's like the, the heave method where you just take it and you just, you know, you, bat, you just do that all day. I mean, now, I don't know if you prefer one method or there's the snowblower method. I've never had one. Uh, I've seen people have them. It looks nice, I guess. Um, now, but there is a problem with the plow method. And, and guys, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's when you're plowing and you hit that crack in the driveway and you, just, you, and, and you spear yourself with the shovel. You know, that's, that's got to be like the worst. I, it happened. If it hasn't happened to you, you I mean, just praise the Lord. It's, it's <laughs> because it's going to happen. It's, it's guaranteed. It's, I think it's part of the fall or something. But uh, really glad that you could be here tonight. Uh, a couple announcements. Uh, next Thursday. Does anyone know what next Thursday is? See? All the married people remembered. <laughs> um, and the not dating people and all that. You know. So, yeah, next Thursday is Valentine's Day. And we're still going to have 724. Um, if, you grow, if you're going out, if you have plans, that's okay. Um, I mean, just all the real Christians will be here, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, we are going to do a little bit special night. We are going to be downstairs, and we are going to have, um, we're going to have like a sit-down dinner. I mean, so if you eat before you come, you can still eat again. I'm all about, you know, eating again. I do that all the time. That's okay. Um, <coughs> but uh, yeah, so you can come. Um, we're going to, you know, probably start eating at like 7 o'clock or so, and then Kenny's still going to speak. It's not going to be like decorated with hearts and pink, and we're not going to, you know, it's not going to be romantic, you know. I mean, you know, you don't have to have, you know, someone to come with. It's not going to be like like a party or something. We're just something different, and, you know, it is Valentine's, you know, so you can come, and then, you know, if you want to <coughs> go off for Valentine's another night or whatever you want to do, that's okay. Um, so that's next Thursday. Um, so if you come in and no one's up here, it's not that we're not here, we're just downstairs. Um, then the day after that, that's Friday. And that Friday, um, we are trying to, we're going to, we're going to have a volleyball night here at the gym. Who here likes to play volleyball? Who here can't play volleyball? See, some of the same people. You like to play, but you can't do it. That's okay. Uh, it's not going to be really competitive. We're not going to, you know, like, no one's going to yell at you. You may get made fun of. I'm not going to promise that you're not going to get laughed at. But it's going to be good because hopefully you're laughing at yourself as well. Um, but no, we're going to have some fun. So I think, uh, is it 6.30 or 7 o'clock, Zach? 7.30, thank you. <laughs> so that's 7.30. Um, and we're going to do some volleyball here in the gym, and that will be set up and ready to go. Um, uh, then we have uh, this, this Sunday, um, Zach is teaching a Sunday, he's teaching the young adult uh, community class. So if you can come for that, that's Sunday morning. Uh, I don't know if you have a Sunday school class to go to, but if you don't, you know, or maybe you, you haven't come in a while, it's okay. Zach's not going to condemn you or yell at you or slap you on the wrist. Um, he wants you to come. Um, but we also, the week after that, we have a couple different new Sunday school classes. If you 
kind of, you know, haven't been to something in a while and you'd like to come, fresh start maybe, uh, you don't know where to go. There's a couple. There's uh, the one, it's Eternity 101, and she's talking about heaven and what heaven's going to be like. And there's 12 weeks of that. Um, and Chuck Green is doing that. <coughs> he was here two weeks ago speaking, I think. Yeah, two weeks ago. Three weeks ago. He was here three weeks ago, but he was preaching in church two weeks ago. Um, and then we have uh, Fearless, and that's going uh, kind of with uh, Mac Lu- Max Lucado's book, uh, Fearless, and that's by Mike Baines. That'd be really cool. Just Mike Baines is really cool. You know, so just if you like Mike Baines, just go. I mean, if you're friends with him on Facebook, he keeps you entertained, right? He keeps, he, he's got interesting things to talk about. Uh, I'm not on, like Lindsay tells me. Like she gives me the highlight, like she gives me highlight, Facebook highlights, you know, like, so I don't have to go through everything, you know, because there's a lot of garbage out there too. So she just, it's good. She gives me the highlights and so I kind of know what's going on. Um, and then we also have <coughs> Financial Peace University and that's Dave Ramsey. And that's really good, especially for us. You know, because some of us are starting to get real jobs, and you're starting to get real money. Um, and, you know, you have to, you know, it's important to invest wisely. It's important to put money in the bank. It's important to, uh, you know, be responsible. The Bible talks about, you know, as Christians, we need to be financially responsible. And uh, so that's going through that. Um, there is a cost for that. It's $89. But um, if you're at all interested, just sign up for it. You can write your name. Um, well, I don't have couriers out, but... Um, you can just sign up for it. Just let somebody know, and we'll get you signed up. Um, that's going to be really good. So all these start not this Sunday, um, but the next Sunday. So be prepared for that. Um, and now I'd like to welcome back, after like three weeks, Ken. Yeah, he was like on vacation or something. But Ken Barner is back, and his podium's over there. Oh. Thank you, Dan. I, uh, I'm glad to be back. Thank you, Sean. Let's give him a hand. A little stand-up comedy going on here, you know. I'll tell you what, I go away for three weeks and uh, the natives take over, huh? It was good. It was good. I'm just kidding. But it was, it was good. I am, uh, <clears throat> I'm really excited. I've been, uh, I've been gone for three weeks. It feels so weird when you are used to being here all the time to be gone for three weeks in a row. And I've watched three weeks of basketball. I mean, my daughter is... Uh, finally getting back into action to playing basketball. She broke her ACL, as you know, and um, she finally got released to play. So like at the end of January, she was released to play. I'm sorry, the end of December, she was released to play, and she got pneumonia for two weeks. So there's my uh, 16-year-old daughter going out to play basketball, and, uh, you know, after, after, two week, after two weeks of pneumonia and, and nine months of not playing, she was really, she's not up to speed out there yet. So... Um, but, you know, as a dad, I, I've kind of made a commitment to my family. I said, you know what? I only get these kids one time. I'm only going to see these kids through high school one time, and that's it. So I made that commitment to them, and I appreciate you um, being understanding of that. And I know that you had three great weeks, man. I'll tell you what. John Fowler, I heard he knocked it out of the ballpark. That guy is awesome. John Fowler is the guy who was in my youth group whenever I was like Dane over there, you know, Dane's got the youth group and, you know, Dane's still got water behind his ears and, you know, it's like he's barely out of the youth group himself and he's running the youth group, right, Dane? You're what, 25? Okay, 24, I started when I was 21. So, I mean, I was even, you know, at least you know how, you know how to o- open the church door. I didn't even know how to do that, you know what I mean? It was like, I didn't even know where to go. I didn't have a clue what I was doing and John Fowler was in my youth group. 
And, uh, and so we had a good time. And, you know, and one day, John Fowler, I remember praying with him in my office, give him a Bible, and we wrote some things on his Bible, and God made a big difference in his life, and now he's out serving God. So I'm excited for Dane, what God's going to do over there at Stray Street with those guys that, that, that they're working with over at Stray Street and, and, uh, and all that fun stuff. And you guys that are helping in youth ministries around the church, God's, God's going to have some other missionaries come out of this place. And I hope out of our group here, you know. Amber, you were in the youth group around here. You can't, uh, Of course, a lot of you were in the youth group. John and Lindsay were in the youth group. Zach was in the youth group. Timmy was in the youth group. Okay, Elise was, came in through Stray Street, right? But somebody, she needs somebody. What's that? Okay, but not during my day. But the, a lot of you guys came in through, through the youth group. So that's kind of a cool thing. Um, tonight, I've, uh, I've entitled this the search party, and I've given you <laughs> 23 items. Now, is that a long sermon or what? Those of you that know me means this could be, we could be here till morning. All right, so uh, I, I, I hope that if that happens, just get up and start leaving, all right? So, uh, <laughs> but I, I want to challenge you on a few thoughts. Before I took my three weeks of basketball and, and all that fun stuff, we started to talk to you a little bit about um, knowing what you're, who you are in Christ. And I, I've entitled this the search party because I believe a lot of people are looking for significance in our world. Max Lucado says, that, uh, and if you, if you take the fearless class, you'll find out about that. He talks in there, he says that one of the things that people are fearful of is not being significant. Now, I mean, everybody wants to be important. Everybody wants to be somebody, you know? Um, think about it. How does the U.S. Army recruit, you know? Be all that you can be, right? They, you want to make a difference. No, not too many people want to live in this world and not make a difference. Everybody wants to leave their mark, you know? What will they put on my tombstone after I'm gone? Here lies the biggest pizza lover in the world, you know? Uh, is that all that's going to be my, my epitaph? Or will it be like, here lies a guy that made a difference in a few people's lives? Uh, my brother, I told you, I've told you about before about my brother. He died when, when he was 34. And on his tombstone is a car. He loved cars. And, uh, and there, my mother made sure that he had a car, and there was a, like a Camaro engraved on his, on, on his tombstone. But, you know, what, what is the significance? What, what is your life? What, how are you going to leave your mark in this world? And, we, you know, when you get into a job and you don't get that promotion, what happens? We begin to feel insignificant. We begin to feel like I'm nobody. And, man, I start to go down. Um, whenever, you know, I remember those days of dating, and, and you ask a girl out and you get rejected. That is not a very significant feeling. You know, whenever, I, I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, the, I asked a girl out, and I'll never forget to this day. I'm still scarred from it. I asked her to go just, you know, just for a slice of pizza or something. She goes, is this a date? And I said, well, I guess it doesn't have to be. She goes, because if it is, I, I'm saying no. I was like, oh, well, I'm glad you clarified that. You know, let me just go home and cry. All right, so, so, you know, it's like, you know, as, as, a, as a 19, 20-year-old guy, man, that, that was like the devastation of my life that I would go through that. Um, and then, you know, even, even in today's world, here I am, I'm married with my, uh, with my wife and my kids, and you know what, if uh, sometimes I don't feel significant if my kid isn't picked first, if my kid didn't make the grade in class, you know, sometimes you hear about parents who live vicariously through their children, I'm one of those guys because I didn't play any sports. So it's like really important that I see these games because I didn't see any for myself, you know. When I was in high school, I was delivering newspapers all night long. I never played any sports. 
I was too much worried about making a million dollars when I was 15. That and I had two left feet, and I couldn't shoot a ball. So, I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered, you know. I'd have been the kid on the bench. I would have been helping get the water for all the good players. And so, so you know, and we look at life, and uh, let me just put here the fill in the blank there. Number one, from the very beginning of life, we find ourselves searching for love and acceptance from those around us. And this is what's scary. We search for love and acceptance from, from those around us. This desire represents our need for self-worth. So we come through, and the search party is this. You're searching for significance, and what do we do? I come to other people. You know, um, I come to the people on my staff, and I want them to approve me, and I want them to tell me that I'm okay. I want them to tell me that I'm, you know, I want to I I hear it was good. It was a good job. Sunday went good. Thursday was good. I, you know, we need that. We, we need approval because that's what we're looking for. And if I'm looking to get that approval from Dan... And Dan walks by me, and you know, I gave, I, gave, I poured my heart out. Haven't spoken in a month, and Dan didn't say anything afterwards. Dan didn't tell me good job. And if I'm looking for my love and acceptance from Dan, oh, okay. But if I'm looking for that from Dan or anybody else, and I don't get it, what happens? My self worth goes. Okay, it's not too good. It's not a good picture. And this is unfortunately how a lot of people live their life. A lot of people have tried, you know, when, when you're a kid, that's what your parents are supposed to do for you, right? When uh, my daughter started taking her first steps, you know, it didn't matter if they were really good steps. It was steps, and then she'd fall down, and everybody would be clapping, <laughs> yay! And what do we do? We give them love and acceptance, right? No matter what they do, we give them love and acceptance, so as they begin to get a little bit older, you know, they come home from school and they, they make a B on a report card, a C on a report card. Yay! At least you tried. You know, your dad didn't know he was supposed to be successful in school. He just went to school, you know. We had lunch. That was my favorite subject, you know. And it was like, you know, that and recess because those two didn't have a test, you know, and I could just go and function every day. But love and acceptance from those around us. So when our parent, what happens is, as we age, our parents aren't always successful at that. And maybe by the time we're 12, 13, our parents don't necessarily pour that into us anymore. When I was 14 years old, I remember looking at my dad, and I said, Dad, you're not interested in one thing I do. And you know what? I was right. He was so self-consumed at that point in his life. My parents were on the verge of a divorce at that point. And they were so self-consumed, and I was going on a trip to Haiti with the church. I was selling hoagies. I mean, I had a broken ankle. I'm, I'm walking on crutches selling hoagies. I think people bought it out of sympathy for this kid knocking on their door, you know? And I was selling all these hoagies, and my mom would come out and help me, and my dad was not interested one bit in what I was doing. And I'll never forget, I told him, I said, Dad, you are not interested in me at all. And so I was trying to get my, at 14 years old, trying to get my love and acceptance from my dad. And what we've got to do, I want to help you today, because do you realize that some people keep doing this all their life? Maybe when they're 25, maybe when they're 35, maybe when they're 65, they are still looking to get love and acceptance from people. Uh, imagine somebody 65 years old not being approved by their children. 
My kids never come to see me. My kids this and that, da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to get love and acceptance. Well, in the ideal world, that's really cool, you know? That's really cool. Welcome, Dan. We're glad you're here. Let's give Dan a hand. Yeah. He's the man. He just got off work, and I appreciate him getting here, man. He, come, he told me they changed work schedule. He comes in as soon as he can. I appreciate it. He's the man. But, uh, you know, if I keep going to other people, and my, my sense of self-worth is connected to if Dan has approved me today, or if my wife has approved me, or if my kids have approved me, if my kids have made me feel loved, guess what? I am never, ever going to have it. So point number two. We will never find lasting, fulfilling peace if we continually must prove ourselves to others. We will never find lasting, fulfilling peace if we continually must prove ourselves to others. This is, this is like, this is so mind-boggling because in America we have been trained that if you, if you do better, if the boss is happy with you, you get the promotion, Right? And we've been trained to please the boss, but this isn't God's way. This isn't how God builds people. And I'm so glad because I cannot meet God's perfection. Um, I was talking with, uh, with somebody this week, and we were sitting down, and we were talking about what the Bible says and what Jesus, some of the things that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He drew up a number of things to show, and he wasn't trying necessarily to deal with these issues. He was trying to deal with a bigger issue, and he was saying, you've missed God's standard of perfection. You can't do this on your own. There is not one of us in here that can meet God's standard of perfection. So he had to send Jesus to die on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sin once and for all forever. But until, until you come to that realization, I want you to understand this. There is a hole inside of your life that you cannot fill. You may try to fill it with relationships. Well, it isn't going to work. You may fill it with money. Oh, that's a nice one. I like that one, you know. Let's go make a lot of money. Um, that, that's kind of the fun one, right? I, I may fill it with party scene. I may fill it with um, just TV, whatever. You can fill it with whatever, you know. I, I, I'm learning how to, how to relax a little bit. The other night, I watched The Biggest Loser for two hours. Woo, two hours. But you know what? I caught a nap in between it all there, you know? But I was like, two hours, I sat down, and I took this all in. That isn't going to fill my deep desire for this, anything in my life. It's just, that's kind of nothingness. And I think this is what happens. A lot of people fill their life with nothingness. You come in, and you say, oh, man. You know, it's it's kind of like, kind of like, you know, you're hungry. And, and you go out and you have a bunch of carbohydrates. Well, all you're going to do is be more hungry. You're going to want more. And then you're going to want more. And then you're going to want more. And so when that hole is in your life and you go out and you fill that hole with things that don't belong there, th that only God can fix, you keep going after all this other stuff. All right? Relationships. Oh, that didn't. No, 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 no. Okay? All right? Food. That, oh, oh, okay, that didn't work. You know? Uh, <laughs> Party scene. La, 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 la. Oh, that was fun. Oh, let's do it again. All right. Well, eventually it gets old. Um, my boss. My boss is really happy with me today. Man, I got the promotion. Yeah. Oh, now I have to work two hours longer every day. Um, now I have to really be on my tiptoes. I got to do this. I got to do this right. I can't blow this. And now the pressure's on top of me. And so what happens is all that there 
that we go through. And listen, I want to be successful. Everybody wants to be successful. Everyone wants to succeed. But it can't be where I get my sense of self-worth. If Pastor Arnold came into me tomorrow and said, Ken, I think it's time for you just to go work at Sheets. I would have to be able to be okay with that. Because I, I am not who I am because of what I do. I am who I am because of what God made me to be. And this is strategic thinking. If you can begin to train your mind like this, then when your mother didn't approve of you, it's okay. Uh, some of you have grow, grew up in here with parents that never approved of you. Some of you feel like I could never meet my parents' approval. As a matter of fact, to this day, I know I couldn't meet my parents' approval. And that's how some of you feel. And that's a legitimate feeling because your parents, you know, you got an A and they wanted an A+. You got a 4.0 and they wanted, they wanted you to be the, the valedictorian. If you want the wrinkled, they have 15 valedictorians. You know? And your mom wanted you to be the one who got to do the speech. All right? And so it's like you just keep going on and on and on. And so this, this, all right? And you couldn't live up to it because you really enjoyed making B's. And your mom thought you could be all about A's. You know, sometimes I, I get into trouble like that with my kids because I'm trying to push my kids to be the best that they can be. I, I want them to get scholarships because daddy ain't got no money to send them to college. They've got to figure this out. And I forgot to tell them that when they were in first grade. So now there's Carice, the junior. Daddy, you know, daddy can send her maybe to one course at community college. But she's got to be on prayer. She's got to seek God. And uh, the reality is they don't give out a whole lot of basketball scholarships to five foot three girls or five foot five girls. Most of the time, you've got to go on your grades and maybe you don't even get a scholarship for that. She's gotta, she has a big life ahead of her. But sometimes I raise the bar too much. And I want them to live up to this thing because I want the best for them. And so my kids can feel disconnected from me. Some of you have lived through that. Let me give you a little bit here tonight. Um, this is from Ephesians 6, 13. Through, um, I'm sorry, John 10, 10 is the verse under point number two. John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants you to have a full, complete life. John 10, 10. So if we are, if we will never find this peace, we'll never get that full life if we're looking to other people. Who do we got to look to? What's the verse say we got to look to here? Somebody spout it out. Jesus. Very good. He says, I have come that they might have life. He, you know, he doesn't say in here, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But make sure your wife thinks you're the best husband in the world. He says, I've come that you might have life. I have come to give you fulfillment. He, he didn't say, go out and get a good job and you will be fulfilled. He said, I am the one that will give you full life, all right? Number three, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17 tell us about the, uh, the, the armor that we're supposed to put on. So I'm just going to give you a couple things that I want you to put on every day. One of them is the belt of truth. The scripture here talks about the belt of truth, all right? And then the breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the gospel of peace. D is the shield of faith. Shield of faith. E is the helmet of salvation. 
And F is the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you may, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I have a professor of mine that I went to at, at Liberty University. He went out to, uh, to plant a church in Las Vegas. Okay, what is Las Vegas known as? Sin City. Sin City. This guy had it made. He was a professor in Columbus. Uh, I'm sorry, he planted a church in Columbus. Then he went down to Liberty University. He had it made. They paid him really good money. He taught me in a few classes through my master's level. I made a good connection with him. So the other day I went and checked on, what's, what's, what's this guy doing? He went to Sin City and planted a church. He said, God's called me to do really hard things in really hard places. So he left all the comfort of everything he had, and he started this church called Grace City. Isn't that cool? Grace City in Sin City. And the first day that they had church, they had over 200 people. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And he talks about arming the people with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the gospel of peace, and he talks about this. I've been praying, I, I want to see God do that here. This is Finleyville. It's not Sin City. But I know that God is working in your lives. But I understand for us to go forward as a church, uh, for us to go forward as a, as a group, a body of believers, it's going to take something that's going to happen with you guys on the inside. And we can't be constantly... <laughs> Worrying about what people think about us. Because look, what is the belt of truth? Uh, let, let's, I'm just going to go down through these on number three there. The belt of truth. Where is my source of truth? It's got to come from God. My source of truth can't come from what Sean says about me. can't come from what my children say about me. Because today my children may not like me. That's just the honest truth. Okay? And, and when you're raising kids, and you guys aren't there yet. But when you're raising kids, let, let me tell you something. It, it, there's days that your kids just don't like you, okay? Um, and that's what we got to deal with. I can't go home and say, well, my kids don't like me today. I have to roll. Um, my boss didn't like me. Man, nobody talked to me today. These are the things that we all get down with. You know, if somebody, somebody ignores me and blows me off, man, that really bothers me. It really bothers me big time. And so God's saying, listen, don't worry about if your boss approved you today. As a matter of fact, your boss may not be happy with your performance at all. And that is one of the traps we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. It's called the performance trap. We get into this thing, if I perform, I'll be, I'll be better. You know, um, um, I was sharing with a few people earlier tonight. I went to World Life Bible Institute. I went to Liberty University. And I went through Liberty Seminary. And um, it's so easy in my mind 
at times to think that God is more happy with me if I work harder. Now, where does that come from? It's not in the Bible. I, I used to go out on the streets of New York City and, and like, tell people about Jesus. And I thought I was supposed to do that, like, every day. I would feel guilty if I didn't do it. And then I moved to Finleyville, and there's nobody on the streets of Finleyville. We only have one street, you know. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's so different here. You know? It's like old little town of Finleyville, you know. But it's like, it, it's such a, you know, I feel so bad for Lindsay, you know. You're moving from Brooklyn to Finleyville. You, know, you, you want to step further. You want the Pigeon Creek, you know. It's like she's down there along the river, you know. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to help Dane, man. You know, he's, he's, down, he's got his new wife along the river down there, or the creek, I should say, the creek, you know. And it's like, you know, she went from hustle and bustle and Macy's to, you know, well, we have Macy's at the mall, you know, and, and you know, and Bloomingdale's and all that fun stuff and, like, subways. And, and Dane's like, yeah, I'll drive you to the subway. A half-hour drive to get to the subway, you know, and, or, or subway's a place where we get a sandwich around here, you know. And, but su- such a different life for her. For her. Uh, listen, we go through these things, and there's all these changes in our life. But as, as I was at, going to New York City, I thought I had to live on that hustle and bustle. My performance, how I perform as a husband how I perform as a father, how I perform as an employee, how I perform as a pastor, does not change who I am. Whoa. You catch that? It doesn't change who I am. If I do better at my task, God doesn't love me anymore. Whoa. That is not how my daddy raised me. (laughs) My daddy raised me. I got to go out and work harder. As a matter of fact, I'm still waiting for his approval, and he died 10 years ago. He never approved of me, but God has approved of me, and the same is true in your life. Some of you have been defeated because you're not putting on the belt of truth. Listen, put on the belt of truth. It's the, it, it ties the whole garment together, the belt of truth. What do I believe? And, you know, and I know we've talked a lot about truth in here. The, the, this, is the, this is God's word. This is the eternal truth. Everything based upon here, including who you are. And you know, the Bible talks so much about who you are. We're going to get to that. Number four, the abundant life is the experience of God's love, forgiveness, and power. The abundant life, that's number four. The, uh, the abundant life is the experience of God's love, forgiveness, and power in the midst of our problems. God says, I'm going to give you an abundant life. He doesn't say... I'm going to remove your problems. I'm so glad because I thought I was abnormal. Because I got saved. I came to Christ. I gave my heart to Jesus. And, and I still had a lot of problems. I had all kinds of things. I had family problems. I had all kinds of issues. I had things I had to work through, work through, work through. God says, I'm going to give you an abundant life. But it doesn't mean that your problems will disappear. And I think that that's a big misnomer. A lot of people have this thing. If I come to God, you know, we sing these songs in church. I'm trading my sorrows for your joy, right? Well, I am trading my sorrows for your joy. But it doesn't mean that I don't have no problems. I think some people interpret that. I'm trading my problems. I'm giving my empty bank account to God. You're going to fill it up tomorrow morning, you know. That's just not reality. That is not what God says. God in his word never said, if you have no money and you follow me, I'll give you money. He never says, if you're sick and you have cancer and you follow me, that your cancer will disappear. 
He doesn't say any of that. He says, I will give you an abundant life. There's something deeper, something deeper than what these people are proving us. And, and I believe that in this room tonight, a lot of people have been living defeated lives, absolutely defeated lives because somebody somewhere did not approve of you. Um, and these things can destroy our life. God said, listen, when you come to God, that's what happened in my life. I came to God. I found this relationship with God, and it changed my life. I'm not talking about going to church every Sunday. I'm talking about meeting with God, and God talked to me. And God is my friend, and God has healed my soul. God filled me. You know, some, sometimes I look at and I say there was times that I had problems and times when things were going good. And both of those times... The part that made the difference was Jesus, having him there. Because, you know what, you can have all these good things too, and it still is empty. You know, some of you come from great homes. Your dad approved of you. Your mother approved of you. They paid your way to college. Everything's good. Everything's happy. I'm happy. I'm excited. That's a wonderful thing. But in the meantime, those things don't even meet the approval. It kind of come from God. The abundant life comes from God. All right, number next. Where are we at here? Number five. All right, number next, you know, that means you're a real professor, all right? Number five, God has made us in such a way that he is the only one who can meet our needs for significance. God has made us in such a way that he is the only one that can meet our need for significance. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God put them there for a purpose. His purpose was communion with God. That's phenomenal. Your purpose do you understand the reason that you were made, the reason that God put you on this earth? You are not an accident. You say, well, my mom always said I was an accident, right? Um, there are no illegitimate children, sometimes illegitimate parents, but not illegitimate children. You are made by God. You are not an accident. God made you for a specific reason, and that reason was to commune with God. That's why we were made. So we're born into this world, and you start growing up, and what happens? We separate from God because of our sin. Our sin drives us wedge in, in between us and God. Nobody had to tell me how to say no. I learned it on my own. My, my parents told me that not to do something. I said no. You learned how to say no on your own. You, know, it, you, didn't, have to, you didn't have to go through a, a big, long explanation to learn how to say no. You, you figured out how to disobey on your own. God has made us in, a, in such a way that he is the only one who can meet our needs for significance. That's why he made Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they are the one who fell, and they are the one who caused the, the beginning of this. We are in the same human race. We are in the downline. We have sin. We're born with sin, and therefore we have a, a problem. We are separated from God forever and ever until we come to a relationship with him. Then when we come to this relationship with him... He comes in, he can start to meet those needs, and he promises us a home in heaven, all right? I'm going to move a little bit faster here. An accurate biblical self-concept contains both strength and humility. An accurate biblical concept contains both strength and humility. I want you to think about this with me, too. You know, following Jesus is not for wimps. And yet, sometimes we get this mentality that, you know, it's, it, it's like the sissy thing. Man, this is the manliest thing you can do. Is to follow Jesus. This is the most womanly thing you can do, woman. Women? Woman? That's how I address my wife at home. Woman? Where's my hoss and pepper? You know? Yeah, you know, and it's like, yeah. She's back there on the, on the computer now, so I can 
I can talk trash. She's right there, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not talking trash. But anyhow, so, but you know what? It, it's like when, when we start to understand here, following God is, is about strength and humility. Humility is power under control. I come and humble myself before God. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. Um, when you know who you are in Christ, I am strong. You know what? There's a reason that I could go out and talk to those people on the streets of New York City. I was strong in Christ, not strong in myself. Because Ken Barner didn't even believe in himself. Ken Barner was like, you know, shaking all the time. But when I went up and I saw these people in New York City, on the streets of New York City, I'd go over and I'd say, hey, you know, we're here to tell people about Jesus. And they'd say, you know, get out of my face. Uh, we went on a little trip a couple years back here, and I handed a guy a little pamphlet, and the guy come back, and he got in my face. He goes, are you one of those people that believe the earth was only 6,000 years old? I said, yes. And he, like, took it, and he ripped the thing up, and he threw it right in my face. He goes, you people are ashamed of yourself, and blah, 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 blah. I said, well, sir, this is what we believe God said. There you go. You're using him as a crutch. I said, sir, he's protecting me right now. You know, it's like, I'm okay with it. And today I had an appointment. Yesterday I had an appointment. I'm able to talk to people about the things of God. Why? Because of who I am in Christ. Not because, well, you know, Ken Barner's an outgoing person. Man, I'm just as afraid as anybody else. But I have strength whenever I step up to the plate. And God gives you strength. See, now I have strength to be able to stand up and discipline my children whenever they need to be disciplined even though they may not like me. Now I have strength to stand up and, 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 and be able to take it, take it on the chin when you didn't perform too well. You know, I mean, there's been plenty of times that we haven't performed too well. But God says that it's not my performance that pleases him. Oh, this is gigantic. Catch this. Your performance does not please God. This is totally, this is not how the Americans think. This is not how anybody thinks. This is how God thinks. And we need to start thinking like God, all right? Number seven, um, an accurate biblical self-concept concept contains both sorrow over sin and joy about forgiveness. Both sorrow over sin and joy about forgiveness. We're going to talk about these in days to come. Number eight, an accurate biblical self-concept contains both a deep sense of our need for God's grace and a deep sense of the reality of God's grace. All right? Deep sense of our need for God's grace and a deep sense of the reality of God's grace. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, grace, number nine, grace equals God's favor, which is freely given and undeserved. Freely given and undeserved, right? Grace is God's favor, which is freely given and undeserved. Uh, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were still sinners, see, here's the grace, while you were still sinning, he didn't say, come unto me, change everything you are first, and then you can come and enjoy my gift of eternal life. He says, no, while you were still sinning, Christ died for you. He says, open your heart and come in, let him come into you and let him begin to do the work. God's not looking for your righteousness He's looking for his righteousness, all right? Uh, flip over the page there, all right? There are, I don't know if it's on the back page or not on yours. 
All right, there you go. Back page. Only 55 more to go, right? All right, the origin of our search. Here's, here's the origin of our search, all right? Number 10, God's view of creation changed from good to very good after he created the very first humans. God created all of creation, and he said it was good. But after he created Adam and Eve, he said it was very good. Now, what does this tell you? You have an intrinsic value to God. You are incredibly valuable. You cannot put a value. You, you have no, no price tag that you can put on who you are because your value is so high. Because all the creation came up to good. And then after he created Adam and Eve, it went to very good. All right? Um, number two. Uh, man, was, man was shown to be the... Uh, man was to be shown... Let me say this. He was, we, were, we were meant to be the image of God, right? Jesus, in, in, in the beginning, God said, let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image. You are to be a reflection of God. Now, this is where I begin to realize who I am. Am I reflecting God's character? Now, when you go into the mirror in the bathroom, it reflects who you are, right? You see it back. I am not to reflect my righteousness. I'm to reflect whose righteousness? God's. So I don't have this freedom to just do whatever I want. I have this freedom to reflect him. And this is where the joy comes from because now I'm reflecting. So if I take, you know, if I take the light and I shine this mirror and that light comes off and it bounces onto you, you're not seeing the mirror. You're seeing the reflection of this light. And this is what God's called us to do, to be the reflection of his light. Think about how we act, how many times we don't act in his image. What are we reflecting? Who do we reflect? God wants us to reflect his image, all right? Number 11, when Adam sinned, he not only lost the glory that God had intended for mankind, but he, forfe uh, forfeited, he forfeited his close communion and fellowship with God. Okay, he not only lost the glory that God had intended for mankind, but he forfeited his close communi communication and fellowship with God. And so God had intended for um, mankind to have this walk together, this fellowship with God. Sin enters the world, and this is forfeited. Satan caused God's creation to fall. Satan comes up and he tells them a lie. He gives them a lie. He, he, sells, them, he sells them a bill of goods that isn't true. God really doesn't want you to have this, right? So he comes in and he tells them a lie. Well, this is what happens whenever you believe that your boss says that you're no good. This is what happens whenever you say, I can never meet my dad's approval, therefore I'm no good. This is what happens whenever you just keep going and going and going. Listen, we, it's easy for us to come in here tonight and say, I believe the truth of the Bible and make a theological agreement with this book. Right, Brandon? We can do that. However, when you walk out that door and somebody tells you that they didn't like you, do you now believe what God says about you? This is the change. Do you believe what God says about you or are you believing what somebody else has said to you? Because you want their approval more than God's. And this is where everything loses. I have four more hours to talk about this, but you're expired. Let's bow in prayer tonight. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, we're, we're going to continue on talking about some of these things. There's so much scripture to be, to be shared yet. 
I want to challenge you tonight to begin a process of questioning yourself, of asking yourself, who am I in Christ? God is not looking for your righteousness. As a matter of fact, the only time Jesus really got upset was with the Pharisees, and it was because of their self-righteousness. Their self-righteousness. God says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. This doesn't mean that we are not motivated to do good things, but it means that, listen, our righteousness is not what propels us. It's God's righteousness. It's His grace. So tonight, I want to challenge you to begin to believe what does God say about you. You know, the Bible says that God is constantly thinking good thoughts about you. And the Bible says that you are forgiven. At the moment you came to Christ, you are forgiven. Some of you in this room tonight, you say, man, I am missing something. There is something missing in my life. And it, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He wants, he wants to tell you who you are because he said in his word, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that you can't gain his favor by your actions. But that he loves you and he wants you to accept his love and forgiveness. Now that is awesome. So tonight in this room, maybe, you, maybe you've been sitting here tonight and this is all new to you. I want to encourage you to open up your heart to God. And just, just say, God, I come to you and I, I thank you tonight. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. My sin has separated me from you, Lord. But I want you in my life, God. I don't totally understand all this. But I know that you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again. And I accept your love and forgiveness for me tonight. Others of you in this room have... Uh, Maybe you've done that a while ago, and, but you haven't done much more. You've not been hanging out in God's Word. You've not been growing. You've not been knowing who He is. You'll never be able to, to, to have that peace without knowing Him. I want to challenge you. Are, you. are you a believer? Are you more than just a churchgoer? Are you, are you walking with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords tonight? start to realize that God is pleased with you because he loves you not because of any merit that you could do God I pray you'll be with each person in this room may they put on the belt of truth may they put on the breastplate of righteousness may they clothe themselves daily putting on the, 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 the gospel of peace God I thank you and I pray you'll work mightily in this room tonight in your name we pray Speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood.